This is Chicago's College Tailgate. Tailgate. Shane Norley and Tyler and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. We're live at Maddie's in DeKalb for Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000. And we've got an amazing day of college football once again. Another marquee matchup on the board today. Penn State, Ohio State. We'll preview that game a little bit later on. But if you're in the area, come on out and join us here at Fatty's in DeKalb. We'd love to talk college football with you. It's all brought to you by Bud Light. We'll be drinking Bud Lights, having a good time, talking college football. And Shay, I think uh, my, my biggest takeaway, all right, we, we ventured on up here to DeKalb together. I get in the car. And I look at you and I go, oh, bleep, we're matching today. Yeah, vests. We're both in vests and we hoodies. We both have black vests. We've got green hoodies. We've got uh, gray slash black pants on today. We discovered that the station shouldn't send us out in public together. That, that's the first thing you said to me. We can't we, be sent out in public together. I feel like we have to take a stepbrother's picture at some point. Yeah, probably. We, <laughs> like should. we don't have a choice at we this should. point. And then we'll get it framed somewhere in Fatty's. <laughs> right. We'll hang it up on the wall. <laughs> exactly. But we're here talking college football with you, so come out to Fatty's in DeKalb. We'd love to hang out with you, drink Bud Light, have a great time with you here at Fatty's. All right, let's get into the story of the week. This was kind of – this had multiple – tentacles out of it because of the fact Mm. that it has not just college football implications, but also NFL implications, specifically uh, a storyline that is hot here in Chicago as well. But it is what's going on at Michigan with Jim Harbaugh after a staffer was suspended, Connor Stallions, amid an NCAA investigation that a sign-stealing operation was going on. Now, sign stealing in and of itself in college football is not what's illegal here. It's the advanced scouting process that is illegal. In 1994, they got rid of the rule that said you can go out and send people out in advance to go uh, scout future opponents, which has always been odd to me because uh, from a basketball standpoint here, and you've probably noticed this as well, but when you're at the NCAA tournament, there are legitimately seats yep. there for – or the Big Ten tournament, whatever. Yep. There are legitimately seats there for the coaches to sit and future scout their opponents in these tournaments when they're these one-and-done type of formats yep. and you don't know who you could be playing in the next game. There is somewhat of an inherent advantage, and there are scouting seats for college basketball. But yeah. for college football, we're going to poo-poo – Future well, scouting. So in college basketball, you also can't in-person scout, advanced in, scout. In the regular unless season. Unless you're in a tournament. Mm-hmm. So like when you're at the, in, in Miami or uh, the Bahamas, Atlantis, if you're in Hawaii or wherever they go, and you're in a tournament, you can always advance scout because you're in the same building anyway. You just can't send guys on the road, which is apparently what Michigan was doing per the athletic, quote, a vast network. Really scary wording there of personnel going out and scouting teams. There was... Some supposed like recording of signals on the sidelines, which mm-hmm. you can't do, sounds a lot like the Patriots and Spygate back in the day. Right. Um, on the college side, one, I think I already kind of believed Harbaugh was going to be done at Michigan because mm-hmm. of all the existing things that there is pending work on, the level two violations that became a level one violation when Harbaugh lied about it, made it about a cheeseburger. The NCAA came out in a statement and said, that, quote, this is not about a cheeseburger. They, that upset them. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going back that's happened at Michigan in the last 
10 months or so, you had, you know, Donovan Edwards, the running back, was retweeting anti-Semitic stuff while playing in games. You had Mozzie Smith on a felony gun charge playing in games. You had to fire the offensive coordinator because his house got raided by the FBI. He disappeared. Computer access crimes. <laughs> you hired Shemi Schembechler. He's got racist tweets. You have to fire him days after you hire him. They may have allowed him to resign. Then you've got the level two violations for the recruiting, hosting kids during COVID, the level one violation for lying about the recruiting violations. And now the question for me is like, this is not really a big deal. The sign stealing. No. If you listen to what coaches are saying. If you look at saying, everything else that gone on in college football like this is very low level stuff right there are coaches that are even saying if if you're stealing my signals that's on me if you're coming to closed practices and taking stuff well then that's cheating but if you're coming to games and stealing signals it's on me to change the signals up that's that's if i'm giving up my plays because of my signals on the sideline that's me that's a me problem like there are coaches who are have kind of protected harbaugh but i think what we're seeing and i have to put my bias aside because obviously i hate michigan but what we're seeing is the ncaa is mad at michigan for lying to them about the recruiting violations the ncaa has never taken well to being effed with and now they're targeting jim harbaugh yes and i think that's the broader question here is does this feel like Michigan's been targeted over the last handful of years? Because, listen, this is one of those things. It's kind of like the, the deflating footballs thing. Everyone's probably doing something to some sort of degree in a future scout, whether it's sending people to games like this or, or what have you. But it feels like over the last – and listen, I'm not a big Jim Harbaugh fan. It, the, the antics and everything has always struck me as odd. I'm not a big Harbaugh guy, but it does feel like he's been the target of a lot of things. You don't see this stuff in the SEC. Nope. You don't see it in the Big 12. You don't see it in the ACC. None of it. Well, but for some reason, here's Jim Harbaugh, and he's the one that's targeted. I think a part of that is, like I've told you, Georgia, more likely than not, is running a dirty program. They're happy to hand over the speeding violations because it keeps the – press from looking into other things that are going on. Saban, we've, you and I have talked about, we believe things were not always on the up and up at Alabama under Saban, but he plays nice with the NCAA. He's not making people mad. Harbaugh flies in the face of the NCAA. He makes people there angry. Well, I think part of it, too, is he knows he's got a backup plan, right? Right. At any point, the NFL is his escape hatch. Right. Because he w- would be able to find a job in the NFL. Some of these other guys... I don't know if they can find NFL jobs as easily as someone like Harbaugh can. That's like, and I want to be clear, as much as I don't think that this is a huge deal, I don't think it's not not a big deal. Like when you have the conference reaching out to Michigan's future opponents and going, hey, strong likelihood they've got your playbook. Like that, then there's something going on. When the NCAA is delivering evidence to the school this week, they have something to suggest you cheated in some capacity. Well, and the fact that it stretches back to the college football playoff, too, and, and future scouting some of know, those potential playoff opponents. I heard some people talking about it, and I thought about it, and I'm not telling you that this is true, but this is the conspiracy theory rabbit hole that we can now dive into when this comes out. Kind of makes sense that they just body bag the Big Ten and then get to a playoff game or a bowl game against a team they couldn't anticipate, and they get clowned. Pretty consistently, when they couldn't anticipate the opponent, they get ran off the field, but they sledgehammer the entire conference. Like, if you're an Ohio State fan, 
you were probably looking at this and going, oh, that's interesting. Right around the time they became our daddy is right around the time that they started doing this. That's odd. And you go back and watch like the Ohio State game last year. It's kind of incredible. Every time Ohio State blitzed, Michigan goes over the top. Every time Ohio State sits back, Michigan hands it off and runs. It was every play call was perfect. And again, I'm not saying that they did record the signals and cheat and they knew the plays, but this story alone opens up the conspiracy rabbit hole for Ohio State fans to go, hmm, no wonder they just started beating us out of nowhere. Right. It just kind of, and not just that, but it's been pretty convincing victories too the last couple of years um, between Michigan and Ohio State. But the future for Harbaugh, you and I were both in agreement. He was likely done at the end of this year at Michigan yeah. no matter what. This, though, is the nail in the coffin now. Yeah, I, this I is think so. the thing that's going to set him over the edge on, on everything. And, and the fact that there's going to be appetizing jobs available in the NFL when you look at it, like, who knows what's going to happen in Dallas? Obviously, here in Chicago, locally, like there's a lot of jobs out there that could become available in this next hiring cycle. That I think Jim Harbaugh would be like, you know what? I'm done with this. I don't need to to deal with sanctions. I don't want to have to deal with have, handling all these things above or under board. It's time for me to just go to the NFL where everything I'm yeah. doing is allowed. And the other thing, too, is like Harbaugh, it's not like the NFL has been hunting him for years. He's been hunting the NFL. Mm-hmm. He got on a private flight to Minnesota. He thought it was signing a contract. Yeah. Oh, it turns out it's an interview. Like, he's been the guy knocking on the door, hat in hand, let me get a job. It hasn't been the NFL ringing his phone But I think stop. this hiring now, cycle, I agree. Now on I the think, other foot. I think the NFL goes after him because now it feels really like like you don't have to hit some astronomical number to get him to leave Michigan. He might just do it on his own. And it's not all because of this. Remember, the three-game suspension earlier this season was self-imposed by the university, and the NCAA is not happy with that either. It's another reason why I think this witch hunt exists where they're going after the school so hard is – when the NCAA says we're going to suspend you for four games and you say, yeah, we'll, we'll do three ourselves after they go, four games isn't enough. Like the COI came out and said four games isn't a severe enough penalty for what was going on in the recruiting violations and Harbaugh misleading investigators. We want more than four games. So they took that suspension back and then Michigan comes back with three doesn't feel like you're appeasing anybody. Could you have made a deal then? Let's make it six, and maybe you just this never happens. Maybe. But flying in the face of the NCAA typically doesn't go well for people. Right. Think about Ohio State. When, like I've read a lot of, well, the NCAA, you know, Michigan's such a cash cow. They're not going to ban Michigan. They banned Ohio State. It's as much a cash cow there as Michigan is, and that was over tattoos. This, you're really pissing off the powers that be. I think you're inviting trouble. When we look at now, you brought up something interesting to me before the show is what does the the rest of this year look like now for Michigan? Because of the fact that, yeah, they probably will have the resume, even with if they do have to pull the brakes back on whatever they've been doing right now and all these allegations, even if they do pull back on that, they're still probably going to run through the majority of the Big Ten and find their way, at least have a chance to get to the Big Ten title game. But you brought up the fact that maybe there's a chance that this year 
we will see penalties handed down. Well, I was for just reading Michigan. I was reading a piece from Stuart Mandel in the Athletic, and he was talking like the NCAA is not going to make a decision on this this season. We know they historically drag their feet. It's going to be years until they come up with something like. At, at the soonest, it'll be this coming off season that the NCAA will punish Michigan for anything. But the Big Ten, once you call into question the integrity of games, which again, I'm not saying the the results are in question. Mm-hmm. I think Michigan's good enough to win without cheating. Right. Me, I've said I think they're the best team in the country. So I'm not calling into question the results. But they maybe don't win by 40, but instead win by 24. And when you open the door for other schools in conference to say, hey, something's not right, and we are calling into question the results, which, again, Ohio State is going to be the loudest voice in the room there, mm-hmm. then the Big Ten has a decision to make. James Franklin will probably be a pretty loud yeah. voice as well. Are we going to let you play in the conference title game if there's schools in the conference that are saying – the results of the games are in question. The Big Ten would then have a decision to make, and they make decisions quickly. And then there's the college football playoff committee, who somebody on the committee said to Stuart Mandel, we will take into account everything that has happened in games regarding now a cheating scandal at Michigan. Could the playoff committee go, you know what, we're going to opt for Oklahoma or Texas over Michigan because Oklahoma and Texas don't have this hanging over them. Yeah, Like, there are now... And I'm not telling you it's right. It, for me, again, Michigan's the number one team in America. Michigan should be the short favorite for the national title. I think they've looked every bit better than Georgia. Maybe Texas, because of how complete they are as a team, if things get right, they can beat Oklahoma, could take out Michigan. But to me, Michigan should be the favorite for the national title. And I'm yeah. not saying that it's right to keep them out of it. I'm just – there are pathways where the football, the college football playoff committee and the Big Ten could – have a heavy hand and say, look, sorry, but other schools didn't have this. And the Big Ten is the one conference that we've seen in recent memory move mountains to manipulate their championship game. If you remember the COVID season, Ohio yeah. State got a path in, even though they weren't the the Big Ten uh, East champion. That's the, the thing that, that's really interesting to me. Is is like this is the one conference where we've seen it happen before. I mean, think about if Michigan later this season, like imagine a world Penn State wins today, and Penn State and Michigan are both undefeated when Michigan has to go to Happy Valley in November, and Michigan wins that game, and post game James Franklin goes, they had our playbook, or another world which this could happen. It almost happened this weekend. Michigan State's athletic director Alan Haller got on a podium. And said, we may not play on Saturday after this story came out. Mm-hmm. What happens if James Franklin goes, they've stolen our plays, we're not going to play them? What happens if they're both undefeated and you don't play the game? Which, which way does the Big Ten go? But, like, the door is open for so many things. I'm not saying that would happen. It would be insane. Mm-hmm. But it almost happened with Michigan State this weekend. Could James Franklin levy that power and go, we're not going to play a team that has our plays? But if you're... It, it, like by the letter of the law and the way I think it would shake out, that would have to go down as a Penn State forfeit. You would think, but which way does the Big Ten go? Like again, it, I, I I don't think it's right to punish Michigan this season for this. I think they're the best team in America, but you've opened the door for controversy. You've opened the door for conspiracy theory, and you've given. Michigan's opponents the opportunity to cite something other than what happens on the field as a reason for Michigan winning games. Can the Big Ten then make a decision? Well, that, that's going to be the big question. Like, collegiately, I agree the story mainly is in the NFL, 
but on the college side, Michigan has opened themselves up for some questions here. Yeah, it could be a really rough next five years at Michigan because you think about it from Harbaugh's standpoint too. What's the one thing he has left to accomplish at Michigan? It's to win a title. Yeah. And if there's a postseason ban coming, what's his incentive to return? And so. that's something that's been talked about next offseason. Could they institute a one-year postseason ban like they did with Ohio State a few years ago in 2012? All of that is on the table, and it remains to be seen how the NCAA and how the Big Ten will address it. But I'm just – I think this opens the door for conspiracies and for the Big Ten to make decisions that people are going to be really angry about. All right, we're live at Fatty's in DeKalb. Come on out, hang out with us, drink some Bud Light. We're looking forward to seeing you all out here at Fatty's in DeKalb. When we come back, we're going to hang in the Big Ten and preview the big game of the day, Ohio State-Penn State. That's coming up next on Chicago's College Tailgate. Now back to the show. Sh- sh- Chicago's college tailgate has it all with Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. We're live at Fatty's in DeKalb. Tyler Aki and Shay Norling here with you on ESPN 1000 talking college football with you until 11 a.m. Come out and join us. All brought to you by our friends over at Bud Light. We're going to be giving away some tickets as well to the Bud Light Champions Club for a Blackhawks or Bulls game. Also some autographed memorabilia as well. So come on out here for a chance to win all of that. Fatties in DeKalb. And we're talking college football with you. All right, let's get into the game of the day today where we've got number three, Ohio State, number seven, Penn State, as this is our big noon game of the day. And you look at what Ohio State, I think Ohio State's a team that started to turn the corner, but this is going to be a really interesting game to me, not from an offensive standpoint as much, but from a defensive standpoint. Both of these teams have NFL caliber game records on that side of the ball. Not yeah. to say that the offenses don't either, but I look at it more from a defensive side, especially along the defensive line. You're going to see two young and inexperienced quarterbacks under a lot of pressure today. Yeah, and it's, uh, well, the pass rush for Penn State's fierce. Kyle McCord's going to have to stay on his feet. On the Penn State side, like both offenses, Tyler, are a little similar in the fact that they haven't really found a groove yet this season. Ohio State, I know, looked good against Purdue, but... It's Purdue. Purdue's mm-hmm. terrible this season. Uh, Penn State kind of, I heard Hoodie say this yesterday, dinks and dunks their way down the field. There's not a better way to say it. They are like one of the bottom five teams in America in explosive play rate. Mm-hmm. Plays over 20-plus yards. I think they're bottom five. They seem to only go down the field when James Franklin wants to cover a number late in a game. Yeah. The rest of the time, it's hands handoffs for Nick Singleton, run up the gut, little quick passes for Drew Aller. They just matriculate the ball down the field. They don't move things quickly. I think you're looking at a low-scoring game, two really good defenses. Uh-huh. Ohio State, Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator, they've been awesome this year. And there was a lot of questions after they gave up the 50-burger to Michigan last season and just got raced out of, the, out of their own stadium in the second half. A lot of questions about the ability for that defense to show up and be this good again, and they've looked every bit the part. The Notre Dame game sticks out. The shutout with Purdue, virtual shutout with Purdue. It feels like both defenses are playing at an extremely high level, and it's going to be interesting to see who comes out with the upper hand. It could play out very similarly 
to that Notre Dame game that you brought up. It feels 17-14. Yeah. If we're in that neighborhood, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe a 2017 game here. I think the total is 46 on this game. I, I would lean on the under on that. But it, the other thing, too, this was an interesting stat that I saw. And take PFF for what it's worth. But my buddy Max Chadwick over at PFF tweeted this out. The highest graded FBS QBs under pressure this season. Number one is Drew Aller at an 80.5 grade. Number 122 is where you find Kyle McCord. Yeah. So Kyle McCord, one of the worst quarterbacks under pressure. Meanwhile, Drew Aller is the physical best quarterback under pressure. And you put that together in a game like this, that makes me think Penn State could be a winner. And, and if Drew Aller is going to play like that, granted, he probably hasn't faced a lot of pressure this year because, A, his offensive line is so great. Um, and, and on top of that, he's not throwing the ball downfield, so he's probably not getting a lot of pressure. So the sample size maybe isn't there. But I still think he's got that big arm potential, and maybe we see him unleash a couple today. Now the interesting thing is Travion Henderson ruled out for this game, the Ohio State mm-hmm. star running back. This morning there's news. Of actually, he might play. Suddenly he's a game-time decision. Can we get an early Dr. Pottinger here? No longer an out. Yeah, Pottinger, if you can. What's going on with Travion Henderson? Is he going to play today? Guys, we have no clue. I'll have a better report <laughs> in about 40 minutes. I mean, what it's, good it's are just you? weird. It's weird because he was out, completely listed on the injury report, not playing this week. And then Ryan Day says this morning that, guys, it's a game-time decision. So... I'll have a better answer for you in about 30, 40 minutes, but it's a weird one, and hopefully he plays for Ohio State. Well, that's the Kansas medical answer right there. The Kansas medical school answer. (laughs) We'll we'll get a full uh, Dr. Pottinger report coming up a little after 10-15. Regardless, if Travion Henderson plays, safe to say he'll be on a bit of a snap count. He hasn't gotten a ton of carries on the season. I think only 44 in the four games that he's played. He's been about the only guy that can run the ball for Ohio State. More than six yards a carry, but as a team, Ohio State's under four yards a carry on the season. They've been pretty one-dimensional with a pass offense. You just painted the numbers for Kyle McCord. It's not very good. McCord's been bad for Ohio State this year. And you look at Penn State, how about the best pass defense in America? Tyler, 121 yards a game through the air allowed. Yeah. That's a running number. And you think about it, too. Like the, you, you brought up Kyle McCord there. If C.J. Stroud had stayed another year, we're talking about Ohio State as the best team in the country. Absolutely. Like, the defense is that good. Absolutely. And the, they have the elite receivers, Abuka and mm-hmm. Marvin Harrison. You've got all the pieces. I, I like uh, Kate Stover, their tight end. I'm a fan of his as well. Like, there are pieces everywhere, and it feels like they're a quarterback away. And for Ohio State, I don't think you can run the Big Ten round robin being a quarterback away this year. And I'm not saying that the Big Ten is a very quarterback-rich conference, but I just think the defenses are too good. Like Seeing a defensive touchdown in this game would not shock me. Even though both of these quarterbacks, what they've done so far, they haven't turned the ball over. One combined interception between the two of them so far this season. But it feels like that's a ticking time bomb. With the two defenses that each team has, too, like ball control can get you places, you really just need a game manager at quarterback. I don't even know if Ohio State has a game manager in Kyle McCord. He's just been unable to really move the ball at all, except against Purdue. We talked about horrible Purdue teams. But team, how much of defense. that is Marvin Harrison Jr. Right, is and it's better than you. Marvin Harrison and Abuka, boomer bust. Well, mm. does the boomer bust wide receiver model work? 
when you're going against a team. Have you seen the statistic on their pass efficiency? They're number one in the country in pass efficiency, defensively, Penn State. And the gap between number one and number two is bigger than the gap between number two and number 25. Unbelievable. Penn State is by miles the best pass defense in America. And you're going with an Ohio State team doesn't really have a quarterback, is a quarterback away, and lives on their wide receivers, well, Penn State's going to put their guys on islands, and they'll be able to cover them. Well, here's the problem, though, on the other side, is that Penn State, offensively, they haven't attempted a lot of deep balls this year. Only six passes attempted of over yeah. 20 yards. Kyle Aller's one of six on those. Meanwhile, Ohio State defensively has only allowed two completions of 20 or more yards. So it's kind of a weakness meets a strength here. Yeah. So I don't think you're going to see Penn State get – and again, they're a team that already doesn't have explosive plays. They're not getting it against this defense. Are we talking ourselves into a classic Big Ten matchup? Like a, How this is going to be Wisconsin-Iowa with good brands. I, I'm going to say – like I'm looking, I'm looking at uh, game day on the television here at Fatty's, and it, pretty blue skies out there. We're not getting a, a gray Big Ten day today out in Columbus, I don't think. I don't know if we need it with these two defenses. This Tyler, this is starting the way we're talking about this game. We are going to watch Wisconsin and Iowa with two brand names at the horseshoe. <laughs> Wisconsin Iowa last week, if you didn't see it, was it, fifteen, 15 to, to six final. Yeah. Uh-huh. Iowa won fifteen to six in a game with a thirty-four point total. They scored twenty-one total points. We're going to see that. Are we going to see? You're telling points, me this Columbus game's going to suck. More points today in Ohio State, Penn State. Or Minnesota-Iowa? The Minnesota-Iowa game today. I have to look Historic at the updated low. number. Last I saw, when we were driving up here, we were talking about this. But the last I saw, the total there was 30 and a half. You said that's the lowest in it's 20 years? the lowest years? in 20 years. I'm rooting for that to close in the 20s. If I see a two there, like that, that'll, that'll warm my heart a little bit. And I would still bet under. I'd like, there's not a number high enough for me to bet an over in an Iowa football game right now. How, would it, how must it feel to be Brian Ferentz? No, your, your job is done. Your dad puts a stipulation in your contract saying we got to average 24 points or I fire you. Your dad lines it up in the contract. Here's the clause that lets me kill you professionally <laughs> if you can't average 24 points a game. And they go out and look like this? How does it feel to be Brian Ferentz? He's a dead man walking. Dead man walking for sure. That is for they're, sure. They're, is no path really the rest of the way when you're winning games with with 15 points you've got some defensive touchdowns so that's not helping you out there like it, it is a it is a disaster there but anyway back to this game here the number has uh kind of flummoxed a little bit it was as high as five and a half and now it is sitting at four at the moment. Yeah, it was four and a half this morning, too. And that's the Ohio State favored by four and a half. Mm-hmm. But what is the market telling us with that? Like, Ohio State to look the way they've looked. And I still go back two weeks ago, that first half in Maryland. Off of a bye week, and you're down 17-10 at halftime. You look terrible in that first half. Off a bye. Like, right. what is the market telling us they're still being favored well, by so much? 17-10. But the touchdown was a defensive touchdown, yeah. too. A pick six out three off of points Talia, offensively by So three offensive points. Listen, you're not going to be able to, to win this game against Penn State by, by only putting up 10, 10 points offensively. They're going to have to go out, and we're going to have to see the Kyle McCord game. In all honesty, we're going to one of two things. We're going to have to see the Kyle McCord game, or we're going to have to see two defensive touchdowns. Or the Drew Aller game. Is there a world where we see the Drew Aller game? I, Drew Aller is one of those players where 
it feels like we're just waiting to see it happen. Because, like, remember that first game against West Virginia? Yep. And was it the first drive, maybe it was the second drive. I can't remember. But he just unloads a strike. And it felt like, all right, this kid's arrived. That We're looking at the next big and NFL quarterback prospect. Since then, he's and done since nothing. Then we, like, I talked about the, the 20-yard uh, completions. That's the only one. <laughs> yeah, you've got James Franklin in press conferences being asked why they don't throw the ball down the field. <laughs> Don't you just put somebody on a fly and throw it? And just <laughs> let it rip. <laughs> oh, whatever. So we'll see what happens. This game, you've made me much less excited about it. Talking about this with you, the no, game of the day, Ohio and we're talking State, like it's going to be Ohio a Ohio State fight. Notre Dame, though, was great football. Like, we were strapped in. Even though it was a 17 14 game, that was a great football game still. Yeah, and, like, a defensive duel could th- be fun. This is one of those ones where. It feels like the elite ace pitching duel that we're going to be watching. We're going to watch two masters of art on the defensive side in this game. I just want every game to look like Washington-Oregon, where the defenses look good, but the offenses score anyway. And you just hope that Oregon wins it next time. Well, they will. We'll we'll go double or nothing on the sweatshirt. We're live at Fatty's in DeKalb. If you want to join us, 312-332-3776 is the number. Or come on out to Fatty's in DeKalb and join us in person. We'd love to see you, talk to you, and drink Bud Light with you. It's all presented by our friends over at Bud Light. When we come back, we will update you on what we're seeing in the Heisman race. That's coming up on Chicago's College Tailgate. Chicago's College Tailgate. Now back to the show with Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. We're live at Fatty's in DeKalb. Having fun with you, talking some college football, drinking Bud Light. If you want to come on out, join us at Fatty's in DeKalb. We'd love to see you out here. 312-332-3776 if you want to talk college football with us today. But let's dive into the Heisman race because yesterday we saw one of our first major – or last week, I should say. Yeah. We saw one of our first major moves made in the Heisman race as Michael Penix has a firm grasp of the inside track. Now, he is the only candidate we've seen all season long with a minus next to his name in the odds. He is now minus 125. We did – when we recorded our recap pod for the week – he was minus 140, so we have seen the number move back a little bit the other way. Yep. Regardless, there's no value in a minus number right now. But Michael Penix has been fantastic this year. Obviously, his Heisman moment last week and the victory coming back against Oregon after the, the Huskies surrendered an 11-point lead, but he marches them down the field. Some thought in the moment, too quickly, he marched them down the field. Yeah. But the Husky defense... And honestly... They were right. They were right, yeah. That's like, like a, it was a, a missed field goal, uh, uh, 43 yards the other way. Regardless, though, Washington looking like a team that could be in the college football playoff this year. But when you look at some of the outsiders here in the Heisman race, you and I have talked about Dylan Gabriel, Oklahoma quarterback. He's going to have the numbers. Yep. He's had them since the beginning of the year when he was lighting up some nobody teams, but then he goes out and gets his signature moment with the win against Texas earlier this year in the Red River uh, shootout. But some of the other ancillary candidates here, all right? J.J. McCarthy, he checks in along with Jaden Daniels from LSU at 12-1. to 1. Jordan Travis at 15-1. to 1. Drake May, 16-1. to 1. Carson Beck, 25-1. to 1. Then these are two very peculiar, peculiar spots that both you and I don't 
agree with the the sports books on the price here, but Bo Nix and Caleb Williams each at thirty to one. Yep. Well, I'll tell you what. I agree with the sports books on the price today. I just think you're stealing from them if you bet the price today because it won't be the price next week. Bo Nix thirty to one. If you go and look at Oklahoma or Oregon's schedule the rest of the season. Very likely, like Oregon gets USC at home in Eugene, Autzen Stadium, one of the most hostile, difficult environments in college football. It's pretty likely that Oregon's going to make the Pac-12 title and see Washington a second time, which gives Bo Nix a revenge opportunity and an opportunity to bolster his Heisman candidacy. 30-1 to today, if Oregon wins out, goes to the conference title game, and beats Washington, Bo Nix will be the favorite at the end of the season. Like, you just have to look at some of these opportunities when you're looking at the Heisman this way. Caleb Williams, same deal. Could USC run the table? They're undefeated in conference play. The loss to Notre Dame stings, but it doesn't hurt you in the Pac-12. Right. Could you run the table? Technically still ahead of Oregon. Yeah. Could you run the table in conference? It would require beating Oregon. But then go to the Pac-12 title, have a chance against Washington. Caleb gets the numbers back together, and he has a great season. Caleb has the numbers. He's like, second in the, in the country in touchdowns. So, he has the numbers for it. it, it's, it what it comes down to is, is he going to have the wins? Because he could put up the same numbers as last season and have the same staggering drop-off between him and the next best player. But if he doesn't make the playoff, He's not winning the Heisman. Well, and that's what confuses me about Jaden Daniels being so high on the list. Their season's over. LSU's got two losses, one loss in conference play. There's a world they can still make the SEC title game. They have to beat Alabama, which I don't know how likely that is at this point, but they can still get there. It's just they need to do so much to get themselves into the playoff. Jaden Daniels feels like little high up. It's a high-flying offense. The numbers will be there. Numbers the schedule there, yeah. lightens up a little bit. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, what do you think about his Heisman candidacy? I, I look at it the same way as, and I talked about this a little bit on the podcast earlier this week, but like, I look at it the same way as I look at Brock Purdy's MVP candidacy in, in the NFL. In all likelihood, he's not going to win it, but he's going to be, at the end of the year, probably on the best team in, fo- in football yep. in the NFL versus college. He's going to be on the best team when it's all said and done at the end of the year, when the votes are cast. But is he the reason why they're right. there? Or has he just been the reason why things haven't gone sideways? He hasn't lost them any games yet. Yes. Well, you've brought up, I've brought up Jordan Travis, and you've brought up the point when you've got Keon Coleman doing Sports Center highlight reel catches yeah. and kind of feeling like the reason if the pass If he catches them normally, so I think you were talking about Jordan Travis. Like if these are just on the numbers, he's going up and catching it. Even if he's just high-pointing a football. Yeah. We're talking about Jordan Travis as the Heisman candidate here, but I think the way that Keon Coleman is sort of, we talk about style points all the time in the college football playoff race, yep. but in the Heisman race, it matters to a degree as well. And I think Keon Coleman is stealing style points from Jordan Travis. And it's the same thing for me with J.J. McCarthy. When you're handing the ball off to Blake Corum that often, and Blake Corum puts up some of the highlights and takes the touchdowns, it's hard for me to look at you as the Heisman winner. I think that you look at J.J. McCarthy and the odds and why he's so high up. It is he's going to be unlikely the best team. He's going to likely be undefeated. He's going to be in the college football playoff. And maybe nobody else runs away with this statistically or the Pac-12 cannibalizes itself and doesn't make the playoff. Maybe Oklahoma loses to Texas and 
all of that fallout creates J.J. McCarthy's the only guy left. But I think it, if we start to see the if we start to see the cannibalization where the Big Twelve hurts itself, the Pac twelve hurts itself, then I think that's one of those situations where it really opens up the door for a guy like Caleb Williams. Yeah. Or a guy or Bo, Bo Nix. Like but I think Pac twelve cannibalization likely leads Oregon into the playoff. Oregon or right. USC into the playoff. And when you have the cannibalization and maybe USC's outside looking in, doesn't play the conference title game, but Caleb's numbers are just lunatic. Mm-hmm. They're the best in the country, and nobody's running away with it. Nobody's got like an undefeated team that's riding a quarterback to the playoff. I think that's where you see Jordan Travis, Caleb Williams kind of come to the front. But right now, Tyler, for me, like I gave it away two weeks ago. Dylan Gabriel was 12-1. to 1. He never should have been 12-1. to 1. It was ridiculous then. And now you're looking at he went from seventh in the odds to second at eight to one in a week where he didn't play a game. Yeah. To me, spectacular. when you watch a guy not play a game and move up five spots in the odds and get four dollars better in his price, he's the likeliest guy to win the Heisman right now. I know he's not got the minus 125. Mm-hmm. I know he doesn't have the favorite label. But when you watch how the market's adjusting prices, Dylan Gabriel is the most likely guy to win the Heisman right now. Gabriel and the schedule sets up very nicely for for Gabriel the rest of the way with Oklahoma. Really no tests until he gets back to the Big 12 championship in all likelihood. Faces off against Texas there. So it is sort of smooth sailing. Like That's another thing. When you're forecasting out these futures, especially at the, the midway or – in this case, past the midway point in the Week season. eight. It, when, when we were talking about that on the ride up here, like, oh. you, you hear week eight and even in the NFL week seven, like, this football season's chugging along, man. It gets over in a Where hurry, Where did the man. time go? You spend all summer just waiting on bated breath for football to start. And then it's And before you know it, it's gone. You think it's going to be a marathon, and then it, Jimmy Tatro sprints its marathon. What's that commercial they've been running on NFL Sundays? Make sure you go to a game because eventually a cold night in the Buffalo, Buffalo Bills game yeah, is just it's a, a cold night commercial, in Buffalo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's this. That's college football. Eventually, we just it's, a, oh, it's another Saturday again. Right. Yep, and, and you're stuck back in, in different Saturday activities. But one last name I want to hit on here before we hit the break. Drake May, we, we hear his name as the number two overall pick in this yeah. upcoming draft. His numbers aren't there quite yet. He, he, he was handing the ball off a lot early in the season, but... Now he's got Tez Walker. He's got Tez Walker back. He's starting to put up some of the numbers that you want to see out of your Heisman candidate. Here. And he's got a three-week feast fest here. You're going to get Virginia, Georgia Tech, and Campbell... He's got three weeks. He can really load up, but then he's got to run the gauntlet. Duke, Clemson, NC State, and an eventual uh, ACC title game if they stay undefeated against likely Florida State. His yards are in a good spot, I think. 1,900 yards, you'll take that right now. The touchdowns are kind of what's concerning. Only 12 touchdowns right now. But the 1,900 yards is kind of on a Heisman caliber pace. The 12 touchdowns is where you're kind of wary, but... Like you mentioned, Tez Walker's back. Even though they lost a receiver, I think the addition of Tez is more than the loss. And, I mean, we saw it against Miami. He comes out with a hat trick there. Catches a touchdown the week before against Syracuse as well. Like, North Carolina is in a spot where the schedule is sort of soft, too, in the ACC. 
you're going to have a couple of moments to maybe not as big as you previously anticipated them to be up until the ACC championship, but I still think you're, you're going to have a couple of moments along the way. I think this could be... Uh, I don't love the 16-to-1 value. I wish he was no, more in the 25 or so neighborhood. The problem but, is he's got so much work to do to catch up to the guys who are putting the numbers up statistically. Well, what happens if, if Drake May leads an undefeated UNC into the playoff? Then things get interesting. The problem for me is you're going to have to run a gauntlet, and it would be the first time in my lifetime, especially recently, the last few years, North Carolina's gotten good at football. They always lose one of these games. The Duke game, the Clemson game, the NC State State. game. One of those games always ends up being lost. Even Georgia Tech. I think last year Georgia Tech was the Mm -hmm. team that beat UNC and ended the run. I I have to see them win all of these, and I don't know that they can. And if they don't, then I think it knocks Drake May out. He's so far behind statistically. You have to go undefeated. You have to win the ACC. You have to make the playoff. But winning the ACC alone leapfrogs a lot of guys on this list. It gets you over Jordan Travis. It gets you over Travis. It definitely gets you over Jaden Daniels unless he wins the SEC. Um, It Probably gets you over J.J. McCarthy, too, but because then, this is the bigger brand name. Like You're paying a 16-to-1 tax right now because of the fact that yeah. he's the projected second overall pick. But then you have to figure, well, one, J.J. McCarthy plays for Michigan, so how big is that brand? And then, two, you still need the Pac-12 to cannibalize itself and take itself out of the Heisman race because it doesn't get him over Michael Penix, or if Oregon runs Bo Nix, or if USC runs Caleb Williams. Like, that's what's so difficult about betting these awards. You can't bet what's happened. You have to bet what will happen. So you kind of have to map out what you think the rest of the season looks like, Mm -hmm. and then figure out what the result would be from there. Yep. All right, when we come back, Shay, you did a little bit of message board snooping. I did. And you're starting to get a little giddy over there. Also, our producer, Justin Pottinger, asked us maybe the question of the show. Maybe the best question we've received in show history. We'll do all that when we come back here on Chicago's College Tailgate live at Fatties in DeKalb. Come out and join us. Thanks to our friends at Bud Light. Now back to the show. Chicago's College Tailgate has it all with Shay and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. We're live at Fatty's in DeKalb with you until 11 a.m. here on ESPN 1000, Chicago's College Tailgate. All thanks to our friends at Bud Light. You'll have a chance to win some great stuff, including tickets to either a Bulls or Blackhawks game in the Bud Light Champions Club. Basketball season right around the corner. Connor Bedard is... Does that start Tuesday? I think Tuesday, yeah. I think you're right on that. But basketball right around the corner and Connor Bedard doing his thing, so you'll want to get on out to the United Center. You'll have a chance to win some tickets here, but you must be present at Fatty's in DeKalb. If you want to join the show, 312-332-3776. Shay, you were snooping around on some message yeah. boards. Yep. And nothing like a good message board hot tip in college sports, right? It is. Tis the season. And we are tracking planes. Uh, So earlier this week, there was the big story. Urban Meyer was asked pretty point blank, do you plan on coaching football again? And he said he has no desire to coach at Michigan State or anywhere else. Now remember, the last time Urban Meyer explicitly said he had no plans to coach anywhere, he signed a contract with Ohio State four days later. 
So this is not a guy who's known for sticking to not coaching when he says he doesn't want to coach. Then earlier this week, I'm going through some of the message boards for the Michigan State program. It's rivalry week. I want to see what people are saying about the Michigan State-Michigan game. And there's a little nugget in there that Urban Meyer had been spotted in East Lansing and that a plane took him from Sarasota to East Lansing, that they were tracking the tail number, that Urban Meyer was on it, that he got into a vehicle and had a private meeting with the athletic director, all sorts of stuff. I'm not telling you any of this is reputable. I'm not even telling you I believe it. But he's been known to take jobs after saying he has no interest. And this is the most fun thing in college sports. The message board flight tracker tail number tracker is one of my favorite things that happens in college sports. What's the name of, of Michigan State's big message board? Uh, there's only colors message board. Only colors, okay. There's a couple, yeah. There's a few. Some of the bigger schools have, like Michigan, I think, has MGO blog. Okay. I know uh, the my favorite one is Pack Pride. NC State. Oh, those are that's an unruly group there. Packpride.com. They are the greatest. They're, like we could find a couple of uh, Spartan of good, Swill Spartan is a good Swill. one. Okay. That's a good one. Uh, Fear the Phoenix. UW Green Bay. We've talked about that. Oh before. yeah, you, you used the to Fear the Phoenix. Back in your days board. of uh, what were you handicapping? You were handicapping Horizon League basketball. Yeah. And you'd have to go I search used, message boards. Yep. For, I would, for everything. I would dig through for things and find uh, nuggets in the fan message boards at Horizon League schools. UW Green Bay. Fear the Phoenix message board. The greatest. What, what was the best thing you found there? It never was anything. It a, oh, okay. No, it was very. It, sometimes players would or like fans would get tips. So and so is not going to play, but I can't even tell you the names of the players, dude. It's <laughs> UW Green Bay. I was paying attention for that night and that night only. Like that, that that was a dark time. <laughs> that was a dark. time. It was a fun job, but it was a weird job. Yeah. All right. Um, but yeah. So Urban Meyer. There's a chance. You're saying there's a chance now. Now, I'm allowing myself to believe a little bit. How much can I let myself believe? I think a lot. Definitely a lot. A lot? Believe that he can be the head you, coach of your team? You give me the number. What, what's the percent chance Urban Meyer's coaching Michigan State next season? 35%. You give me the number. 35. I'm at like half a percentage point. Less than, a percentage? less than 1%. Yeah, because I don't think this school's got the guts to make the hire. I've never believed that they do. They're too worried about how they look in the news. Newsflash, the news is going to hate you anyways. Just make the hire. Win football games. I think they're at a point, especially with how everything's sort of going at Michigan right now, this could be a chance to take a, to take a lap past Michigan. Yeah. Like, this is gonna, like... You're looking at big-time, probably, recruiting sanctions coming down on Michigan. So you're going to win the state which is a big state to win for the, the yeah. two of them. Um, and, and a very underrated football state as well in terms of recruiting base. Yep. Like a, lot of, a lot of schools on the East Coast that can't really tap in where there's not anything in the East Coast, like in, in New York and Massachusetts and uh, um, like sc- schools in that area, they'll go to places like Michigan, Pennsylvania, Ohio's another very underrated one as well. Urban Meyer lets you tap into Ohio better yes. than you have in mm-hmm. years. Urban Meyer kind of lets you tap into anywhere that you want Pretty to, much. to but go to. But, yeah. I, I just I think it's a hire they should make. I'm not going to say they must make it. But if he's there, I dude, make the hire. 
I just don't believe that they will. I don't think they have the guts to take on what comes with it. Because you basically have to adopt yourself as scumbag university. If you hire Urban Meyer after Mel Tucker, you have to just know. MSU, Michigan Scumbag University. Your scumbag you. I don't care as long as they win. I think think you're – if we're getting the the inklings of meetings, like there's smoke here. There's legitimate smoke here. Yeah, and again – like him saying, I have no interest in coaching, does nothing to scare me if off. If anything, it that has never met anything. Honestly, him coming out and saying, I have no interest in coaching, makes me think a contract's coming in the next week or no so. No interest means there's outside interest and I don't have to parade myself around. I have to parade myself around a little bit if I'm saying yep. I want to get back into it. My I never want to coach again uh, sweatshirt is bringing up a lot of questions that are answered by the sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. You don't just say, like, going out and just making the announcement at a quarterback camp. It was Knoxville quarterback Yeah, the camp. Knoxville quarterback club. He, yeah. he, a quarterback mm-hmm. club. He was out, and he just makes the announcement, I never want to coach again. I don't even know if he was asked a question. So it sounds like he wants to coach again. <laughs> yeah. All right. We are out at Fatties in DeKalb talking college football with you for another hour here on ESPN 1000. If you want to join us, 312-332-3776. When we come back, we will dive into the big picture of the college football playoff, whereas the rankings, the official college football playoff rankings now, about a week and a half away from coming out. We're going to get you our insight on what we see and how we see the playoff shaking out coming up next here on Chicago's College Tailgate at Fatties in DeKalb. It's all brought to you by Bud Light.